For a few moments, I would like to take you to the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah, the 54th chapter, I'm going to read verse 1 down through verse number 4. So glad for all of our guests today. Thank you for being here. Amen. Church family, thank you for being faithful to the house of God. Looking forward to what God's going to do in the completion of this service and tonight. Amen. And what God has in store for the the future of this church. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 1, it reads like this. Sing, O barren. Thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Because of that promise, he commands them to enlarge the place of thy tent And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither Be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shall not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. Man, what a powerful, powerful promise. I pray God would help me today to be able to share with you what I feel in my heart. Last Sunday, we talked to you out of Hebrews chapter 4, that lest we be given a word and not profit us, that we miss what God's trying to do. And I wanted to go back there just for a moment, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1. He said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Last week we talked to you about the power of that word that was delivered and what it can do and why the devil works so hard to get you to not believe it. And why he gets he works so hard to prevent you from receiving it. This week I want to draw your attention to the first verse, the latter portion. And I want you to underscore in your mind where it says, Lest any of you should seem to come short of it. Then reading from Isaiah chapter 54 and 2 again, it says, Enlarge the place of thy tent and let thy... And, and, Let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. Everyone say that with me. Spare not. Amen. I want to talk to you a little while about making room for God. Amen. Making room for God. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. 
William Carey was born in the mid-1700s, and as a young man, he showed great potential in many fields. At the age of 10 or 11, he had taught himself how to speak Latin. By the age of 14 or 15, he had taught himself Greek. He had such a thirst and a desire for uh, understanding the world that he lived in and understanding the purpose of man. Somewhere in this quest and this desire and search for greater knowledge and understanding, he came into a relationship with God and it was there that his true purpose was born and William Carey began to move into the real calling of his life. He is known to our world as the man of modern missions, the father of modern missions, for it was William Carey who was able to articulate in a time when men were very close-minded about the gospel and their response to anyone wanting to reach out to those in other countries that if, as one man stated, one church leader stated in the 1700s that if God wanted the heathen to hear the gospel then he would somehow deliver it to them himself. And so that was the mindset that William Carey was up against. But he came in his studies to Isaiah chapter 54 and it became the burning text of his own desire and his own passion. It moved him so greatly because he saw in it the potential of the church and he saw in it the great promise of God to the church. He saw a hopefulness in that word and a prospect and a promise that he could not keep to himself. It was a word that deserved to be heard around the world. And so in the late 1700s when he was given the opportunity, William Carey stood and preached a sermon in Nottingham, England that marked an epoch in the history of Christianity. For it was from that sermon and the message that he delivered on that day that a responsibility came on those who heard of evangelizing all of the nations of the world and the interests that were awakened on that day by that sermon led to the formation of what is now known as the Baptist Missionary Society that has been in existence since the late 1700s and is still sending out missionaries around the world, ushering in what would be known to us as foreign missions or worldwide evangelism. It was the opening of the eyes of the church to a broader scope of what God could do and what God was up to than what they had to that time been able to comprehend. And it was from this text in Isaiah 54 that William Carey deduced two things that became the motto of his life and the motto of the British Missionary Society, and that was this. Number one, we are to attempt great things for God, 
And number two, we ought to expect great things from God. What a mission statement. To attempt great things for God and to expect great things from God. The words that we read were spoken to a people who had suffered great loss. Their numbers had been depleted and they as a nation had been decimated by the overrun of a, a, another culture because of their sin and their wickedness and their failure. And they suffered a great reversal. And Isaiah was sent as a prophet to the people of God. And he delivered the word of God. And for the first 50 chapters or so of Isaiah, you read much of the sternness of God dealing with these people and how uh, he felt toward them and his thoughts of where they were and why they were going through what they were going through. But then there comes this change of understanding and the vision of Isaiah grew and he catches a glimpse in chapter 53 of the coming Messiah who would not be just for Israel and the chosen people of Israel, but he would be for all nations and the whole world. And then we come to Isaiah chapter 54. And these words are breathing new life into this depleted and barren people. They have been confined and limited. They were likened to a barren woman, someone who had not been able to fulfill their calling in life. But God was about to do something totally out of their understanding, and it was going to completely reverse their situation. It was going to turn around what had been, and God was going to give them back their song, and he was going to give them power and ability, and his grace was going to enable them to bear children and their nation to grow and flourish. And it was cause for great song and shout. The nation that had been diminished would now be multiplied and the, the people that were once broken and desolate would now be revitalized and stabilized and they were going to move from a life of subtraction to a life of multiplication because of what God was about to do in their midst. Amen. What a great promise. What a powerful promise Isaiah 54 is. For in these verses you will find three promises. Number one, there was a promise of a restoration of joy. The people of God had lost their song and they could not sing as they once had. They I guess they were kind of like the canary. Uh, the, the family had in, uh, in their home that would sing and, and it would chirp out its beautiful music every day. And one day the housekeeper decided that she was going to clean the cage. And so she turned the vacuum cleaner on and she stuck the hose up in the cage and somehow moved it the wrong way, and the next thing she knows, she hears a... and the canary has disappeared. 
terrified that she had killed the bird, she immediately turned the machine off and unzipped the bag and opened it up and there was that canary. His feathers were every which way. His eyes were bugged out. And uh, she thought, oh, Lord, I've killed our pet. The kids will never forgive me. And so she got him out and she cleaned him off the best that she could. She found that he was still alive. And after she'd cleaned him off and asked forgiveness, she put him back in the cage. And there he sat when people came by. Uh, they, they asked about him because they did not hear him sing as they once heard. And they said, no, all he does now is just sit and stare. Just sit and stare. And you know what? There's a lot of people like that in life. That life has sucked them in and turned them every way but loose. And their world has turned upside down. And out of all of that, they lose their song. They lose the joy of that song. And they sit like that canary and just stare as life passes by. And that's what had happened to Israel. Life had sucked them in and tore them apart. And now God was taking them out of their situation and he was cleaning them off and putting them back. But he said, I'm going to do something that maybe you don't fully understand at the moment, but you will in time to come. I'm going to restore your joy. I'm going to give you a reason to sing again. I'm going to give you a reason to rejoice. I'm going to do such a marvelous work in your life that it will make you forget what has happened in your past. It will make you forget all of your yesterdays and all of the pain and all of the suffering. What I'm going to do for you now is going to help you overcome all that was behind you. Several years ago, I was reading, and the Lord brought me to the book of Joel. And I read the scripture where it says the Lord would return unto us the years that the caterpillar had eaten and the canker worm had devoured. And I thought, God, how in the world is it possible for you to bring something back that has been decimated and taken away? How can you restore what has been lost How can you bring something back that's been destroyed? How can you bring something back that has been consumed and no longer is? I could understand God working if there was something there. But how can you do something with my present situation? And God spoke to me and said, oh, you don't understand what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is I'm not going to go back and just take what was. He said, I'm going to bless your present moment with such a glory and with such a fashion. I'm going to bless your today in such a way that it will make you forget all about the losses of yesterday. That I'm going to do something today that is going to be so marvelous and grand that you'll forget all of your pain. You'll forget all the suffering. You'll forget about all of the hurt because of what I want to do right now. And I wish that I could get somebody in this building today to understand that that is exactly what God wants to do for some of you in this building right now. There are some of you that are trying to go back and relive and redo and remake and reshape things that have been lost in your life and all you're doing is frustrating yourself and everybody else around you. Amen. You can't go back. 
You can't undo what's already been done. You can't you can go ask forgiveness, but it doesn't change the fact of what was done. Now, if you allow yourself and you allow the devil, he will beat you down to such a place that you'll live the rest of your life trying to rebuild something that God has no intention of you rebuilding. He said, I'm going to do something greater than that. I'm going to do something that's going to cover that up. I'm going to do something that's going to be larger than that. Ever could have been, I'm going to do something greater than what you ever had in the past. And that's what God's wanting to do for somebody here today. He's trying, some of you have been on a journey for a while, and I don't know if you're even listening to me right now, but you better open your ears and listen to me. Because God's trying to get you to move away from trying to rebuild and, and get everything like it used to be. It ain't ever going to be like it used to be. Get used to it. Amen. You don't have to have it like it used to be to live for God. You don't need it to be like it used to be because you're not the same person you used to be. If God did what he did then for you right now, you wouldn't even appreciate it right now because you're not even the same person you were back then. God sees you right now. He knows where you are this morning. And God said, I'm more interested in where you are than where you were and what happened to you somewhere in your past. I want to do something for you today. I want to do something for you right now. I want to do something in this place, this service today. Come on, praise Him with me right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. God promised them not only a restoration of joy, but a restoration of fruitfulness. He would replace their losses with greater gains. My, what a God we serve. That He would replace my losses with greater gain. That my future is brighter than my past. That whatever I've lost is nothing in comparison to what God is prepared to give me right now. Amen. Amen. Restore a fruitfulness. And then he was going to restore a confidence. He was going to take the fear out of their life. And they would be confident again in their living for God. And truly, this, this whole text is one of the greatest Settings in all of Scripture that reveals the promise and the power of God. The transformation that a promise can make in a person's life. And the reversal of what can be seen in someone's life when they embrace the Word of God. And they take that Word of God and they say, God, I believe you're talking to me. I believe you're speaking into my life this morning. I don't know about anybody else around me, but I believe that for me, the Word is that the the future is brighter than the past. And what you want to do right now is more important than anything that's happened in my yesterday. And so God says, come on, lift up your eyes. I want, to do a, I want you to sing again, O barren. I want you to sing the one who has no children because the children of those who have been barren will be greater than anyone can even imagine. And so they move from barrenness and disgrace. 
they moved from emptiness to fullness and now would be an overflowing and an increase and a, a fullness and they would be blessed they would be blessed beyond anything they could comprehend and i believe that that promise that was given to them was not just for them i believe that promise it's you and I this Sunday morning in the month of October in the year of 2016. I believe the same God who said, I want to make your tomorrow better than your yesterday is the same God that's in this place right now trying to get somebody's attention and saying, come on, wake up, look around you at what I'm doing right now and understand that I'm up to something right now that's going to blow your mind. It's going to be greater than anything you've ever had before. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and let's give Him praise. Hallelujah. And the blessing that was coming to this people would be of such a magnitude that they were going to have to enlarge their tents. And they were going to have to strengthen their foundations. They were going to have to make room for revival. Make room for growth. Make room for blessing. Make room for miracles. And God sent this simple preacher to you this morning to tell somebody in this building that it's time for you to stop mourning over the past and start making room for God. Amen. It's time for you to stop mourning over what you've lost and what used to be and how close you used to be to God and how you used to pray and how God used to use you and all of those things that were a mark of what you were. God said, it's time for you to wake up and understand. I'm not as worried about that as I am what you're missing right now because in a moment of time, I can reverse everything that happened back then. In a moment of time, I can give you back everything you've lost and double it over and triple it over to where you have to expand. You have to enlarge because you cannot compass about the blessing that I want to give you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to, you need to help me today. You need to help yourself today. Amen. What a blessing. What a God. For a nation that had suffered the indignity of captivity. This was a promise that sounded too good to be true. Amen. And that's exactly what God understood about humanity. Is that just like some of you are sitting here right now and you're discounting everything I've already said. And you're saying, okay, Brother Hughes is preaching to that person and he's talking to that person. And that doesn't apply to me and that... And you got your little list and you're going down the list of all the people that need to hear what he's saying. But you're not hearing what I'm saying. God understood that about man. And he understood that giving them such a promise would be just as difficult for them to grasp, grasp and grab their, grab their, or with their hands as it would be for you and I on this Sunday morning who are struggling, who are going through trouble, who, who are living a barren existence. Our, our spiritual life at the moment is a shell of what it used to be. It's just a shadow of what we were at one time, and we're ashamed of that. As a matter of fact, we're so ashamed of that, we have a hard time praying 
or worshiping or even trying to lift our hands in a service because we feel unqualified or we feel uh, unworthy. And so we allow that darkness to cover our mind. And the Lord understood that about us. He understood it about them. And so his command to them, God's response to them, when they heard that news, God understood what their response would probably be. And so he gives this command right in the middle of telling them, enlarge your tent, strengthen your court, spread out your, 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 your living quarters because I'm about to pour out a blessing that you can't contain. God's command to them was two simple words, spare not. Because God knew, just like all of you sitting here this morning, That when we hear something like that, it just sounds too good to be true. That God could talk, he he could do that for somebody else, but he couldn't do that for me. Maybe our problems are bigger than everybody else's, I don't know. But there's a mindset and the Spirit seems to shout out to them, Don't hold back. Don't limit me. Don't. Stop what I'm trying to do in your life. Don't think too small. Amen. This was the encouragement and the challenge of the Holy Ghost. Because this sounds too good to be true. Man's tendency would be to go but not go all the way. To give but not give all. To do, but not do too much. That's man's tendency. Even in a service like this where it's quiet as a church mouse. Amen. that, That is greater life up there, isn't it? That's where we're at. I just want to make sure. That in a service like this, that something could happen that would literally transform your life and reverse all of this stuff that's happened back here. And I, I don't, I've, I've preached about this before, but I have never felt more anointing and more Holy Ghost than I feel right now to tell somebody, this is your moment, this is your day, this is your time. Some of you have been bearing a burden for a long time. Some of you have been living with a condemnation for a long time. Some of you have been going through life with this darkness over you, and God said, this is your time. You need to wake up and listen to what I'm saying to you. This is your hour, and if you will believe me, and if you will come all the way, If you'll give me everything you are, if you will not spare anything, I'm going to give you every promise, everything that I've said is going to be fulfilled. Not one thing will lack. Not one thing will be held back. And because it sounds too good to be true, our tendency is to hold back. Well, you know, I'm going to try. And so we we give it a little... Boy Scout or Girl Scout effort. But God's not looking for a Boy Scout or Girl Scout effort. God's looking for an all-in. He wants every bit of you. 
He wants everything you have, all that you are right now. If you want all that God has, and this is the conundrum that this is what really plagues me as a pastor. Everybody I meet wants everything God has for them. But they're not interested in giving him all they are. Yeah. They're not interested in giving him everything they are. We want all he is. I want every blessing. I want every mercy. I want every grace. I want every miracle. I want everything worked out. I want God. I want His power. But when it comes to me saying, yes, Lord, anything you ask, anything you want, it's yours, God. I give you all of me. God understood that about humanity. And that's why when He speaks to these people, right in the middle of what He's saying is, hold on, listen to me. Spare not. Don't hold back. Don't think that, well, it's just, made me, I'm going to try. You know, it's kind of like the stock market. Some stock goes up and you think, well, I'm going to put a few pennies in. And we put a few pennies in and think we're going to make a million dollars. You're not going to make a million dollars putting a few pennies in. You're going to make a million dollars if you put enough money in. You'll make a million dollars. But you're not going to make a million dollars when you only put. You know what I figured out? I figured out that most people that live life, they want a steak diet, but they only want to pay for a hamburger. And you get what you pay for. If you want a nice filet, you're going to have to fork over a little bit more money. You're going to have to spare not. You want a better marriage? Oh, I got your attention now. You better spare not. You want a better home? You better spare not. You want a better future? You better spare not. You can't sit back and reserve and say, okay, God, I'm going to give it, but you're going to have to first move. The Bible says these signs shall what? Follow what? Them who believe. So my understanding in English is that you got to first believe before something's going to follow you. We want everything God's got for us, but we don't want to believe Him. We don't want to trust Him. We don't want to lean on Him. We don't want to expect it. And so we live life in reverse. And so we try to get God to do all that He can do, but we don't want to give Him all that we are. And so men tend to hold back and they hedge their bets so to speak and they they would not move in faith they give but not all they go but not all the way they believe but they do not receive amen there's a lot of people in the world that believe on the lord but they fail to understand that faith is just a portal through which you go into the fullness of God's blessings. It's not the end. I believe on the Lord. That's it. I'm saved. That's just the doorway that allows you the opportunity to experience the power of God. And when he came to, uh, to, to the certain city in Acts chapter 19, his question was, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So Paul understood that there's signs that 
follow them that believe. That if there's true faith in my life, there's going to be an action that's going to be with that faith. It's going to be more than just what I say with my mouth. It's going to be something that is seen in my action and in the way that I live my life. And so for these people, God is saying, don't hold anything back. Don't think too small. Don't allow your present situation to dictate to you what I am ready and prepared to do for you in the future. The great temptation of all mankind is to cut short a great work of God and make too little of it. Our greatest temptation, I believe, is still to put too small an effort out for such a great promise. Just like today, it's hard to praise God today. I don't know if you're tired. I don't know if I'm just not preaching a good sermon. I don't really know, but it's not me. This is His Word. I told God this morning that. I said, God, this is not about how smart I am. This is about how powerful you are. And that's Your Word. Your Word says that if we would would make the preparation that you would bring a blessing into our life that would out, would blow our mind, that if we would obey you, if we would get all the way in, if we would commit ourselves completely, if we would not spare anything, if we would quit holding back and hedging our bed and saying, well, you know what, I'm going to really get back in there when God does this. Why don't you go ahead and get back in there and see what God will do? Why don't you go ahead and take that step and say, God, I just want you to know I've got confidence in you. I've got trust in you. And whether you see it right now or not, I'm going to act on what I already know. God is great and faithful and mighty and he will keep his word. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. When God offers to do a great thing in your life, the worst indignity that you could show God would be in your lack of effort or desire to claim what he has promised. And so God's word to Israel and to us, spare not. Say it with me, spare not. That means don't hold anything back. Don't hold anything back. And so I think God was saying to Israel, let your effort equal your opportunity. Let your effort equal your opportunity. And you hear me this morning. There's never been a greater day than there is right now. Never. I don't care what you've heard about the past, and I love talking about it, but the past has nothing on what God wants to do right now. Right now. If I didn't believe that, I'd close this Bible and go get me a job at Walmart, and you'd see me greeting when you came in to buy your groceries. I believe that the day of the church and what is still in store for us is greater right now than it's ever been because the darker the night, the brighter the light. And as the world gets in a a worse mess than what it is, it's going to look for somebody that can help them find their way out of trouble. And that's where the church is going to fit in. That's where we are going to come in. And so I am saying to the church, let our effort be equal to our opportunity. Don't hold back. Don't sell God short. Don't be grudging in what you give to God. 
well, I have to give this. I don't have to give anything. I get to give. I didn't have anything to start with, and God blessed me to where I have something now. Hey, folks, I, I don't know how many of you came in the world with any money. How many of you came into the world with any intelligence? God gave it to us all. And Paul said, naked came I into the world, and naked I will return. You're not going to take anything with you. When somebody asked Rockefeller's uh, settler of his estate, how much did he leave? He said, he left it all. And so are you. So will I. We're not taking anything with us. Only one life and soon will be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. What matters right now is that I have an opportunity. And I am not going to look at God and say, God, you're asking too much of me. You're asking too much of me. I don't believe God's asked too much of anybody. If he was willing to do what he did. If he would go to a cross for my sin. If he would bear the stripes for my life. If he would bear my sins in his body. Then the least that I can do is give him my all. Amen. Don't let this offer exceed my effort. Amen. God's promises are great and so should my effort be. And when God is up to something big, the last thing you want to do is be stingy and cheap with God. Amen. The only reason some of us are still here is because of God's mercy. Really, the only reason all of us are still here is because of God's mercy. God could take me out any time he wanted to. He could say, it's the end, and it would be over. But because of his purpose for my life, he has something yet for me to do. And so I'm here, and so I must make the best of it. And when God is up to something big, the last thing I want to do is be cheap with God. The second thing that I believe God's speaking to us is that thinking in the weakness of your flesh or your present circumstance rather than in the strength and power of His promise will cause you to come short of what God has for you. When you look at your present reality and you miss the promise of your possibility, that's the tragedy of life. When you look at where you are and say, God, I know you can do great things, but I know you can do mighty things, but you know what I've learned? I've learned what God was trying to get these people to understand is that your thinking can sabotage God's work in your life. And your thinking of your weakness and your inability and your failure and all that you did wrong. God knows all of that. God knew everything about what Israel had done to mess up their life. That wasn't even what was on his mind right now. What was on his mind right now is I'm in a restoring mood. I want to revive. I want to bring it back. I want to rebuild. I want to give you hope again. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you a divine will to live for. I want to give you a tomorrow. And he said, you can't let your thinking in the present weakness of your flesh and your situation keep you from the promise and the power of my strength. 
And if you are not careful, you will let your mind sabotage the blessings that God has in store for you. Well, I don't deserve it. God, I just, I don't deserve it. I, I, none of us deserve anything God's got for us. None of us have any kind of merit that we can come up and say, okay, I'm first, God. I'm first. You, you owe it to me because I've done more. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've lived for God. None of us can put ourselves on that list of being above anybody else. I'm here by the grace of God. And I don't want my mind. I don't want my thinking to stop the blessing of God that he's trying to bring into my life and sabotage what God's trying to do right now and cause me to come up short Amen. and miss what God's trying to do. Because I was fearful, I was unbelieving, I was distrustful. My thinking will cause me to think such things as... Who can ever recover from a fall like mine? Who can ever recover from a mistake like this? Amen. I'm going to tell you something. There are people that have recovered from worse things than what you've done. And they're on the the roll of the faithful in Hebrews 11. Amen. Abraham was not a man without faults. There's nobody in that list that was was a person without weakness or failure. But don't let your thinking stop the flow of God's blessing to your life. Amen. Don't let the weakness of your flesh stop the power of His Spirit from working in your life. Amen. Amen. Spare not. Say it with me. Spare not. He's saying, come on, I need all of you. If you want all of me, and I'm willing to give you all of me, I want all of you. I want your mind, I want your heart, I want your soul, I want your body. I want all of you. We want God's fullness on our partial effort. We want God's greatness on our littleness. And we want God to act in our behalf when we are unwilling to stand for Him. Help us, Lord, to give it all. Amen. Let's stand together.